This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is the Thursday show where I have a conversation with someone in the restaurant world that I think you will want to hear from. He is a co-founder of Free Range Concepts, the hospitality group behind the general public, Bowl and Barrel, and The Rustic. Kyle Noonan, welcome to the show. How are you? Eric, I'm doing well. Good to hear from you. Kyle, thanks so much for doing this. I, I always like to kind of start these interviews at the beginning. So tell me a little bit about kind of the, the roots of your career. How did you get involved in the hospitality business? Sure. I, I tell this story quite often, much to the chagrin of my wife. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I got in it for girls. Um, I was, I was uh, in college at SMU in Dallas, and, um, and I needed some date money and some beer money, some walking around money. Um, and I initially asked my dad and he was like, yeah, you, you can go get a job, son. And so I um, went and applied to be a, a server at Papado's Seafood Kitchen, which is ironically a Houston-based company. Um, got a job waiting tables there, did it for a few months. And um, they asked me to go into management. And I, and I said, well, yeah, sure, why not? Give it a shot. And um, I never left the industry. I... Um, I was with the Pappas organization, which is an outstanding organization, and um, everyone in Houston obviously knows knows the brands very well. Um, but I was with them for 13 years, um, oversaw the Papado and Papacitos brands, and um, finally, about I guess it was about 11 years ago, decided to leave and start my own company, and that is that is I, I've only I've only applied as an adult to one job in my life <laughs> because right, I so, went from Pappas to my own company. So tell me about kind of starting free range concepts. How did you kind of develop the idea? I mean, I, I know you have a business partner. How did you, how did you kind of develop the idea of what free range concepts was going to be in the beginning? Sure. Yeah. Great question. Well, so my, my, uh, my business partner was my college roommate. Um, we've been best friends since we were 18 years old. Um, he was the best man in my wedding, or excuse me, I was the best man in his wedding. He actually officiated my wedding. Um, okay. he, he's my kid's godfather to, and vice versa. So we're, uh, needless to say, we're, we're close. And most people would say you probably shouldn't go into business with your best friend, but for us, it's worked swimmingly. Um, in a large part due to the fact that our skill sets are very different. We're very left brain, right brain. Um, I was an art major in college, uh, painting and sculpting major. He was a business major. Um, after college, I went into the restaurant industry, like like we talked about, and he went in, he went to work on Wall Street. So we have very different skill sets. And what he does, I have no desire to do, and vice versa. He he wants no business in what I do. So it works very well, and we we trust each other implicitly. Um, our values are the same. Um, and so we always talked about getting together and doing something. Once we um, really kind of cut our teeth out on our own, um, we, we knew it was, we wanted to, this was kind of before the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour rule, 
sure, uh, before right. that book was written. We knew we had to do, go and be um, be focused on our craft um, and learn from learn from the best uh, for years. You know, somewhere between eight to twelve years, it ended up being about thirteen for us. And we just wanted to go do that and eventually get together. And so it was in, I guess it would have been 2011. Um, he called me up one day and said, Hey, you want to go, you want to go bowling? And I said, sure. Where do we, where do we go bowling at? I, I actually haven't been bowling in a long time. And he goes, that's a great question. So we started researching and we said, maybe this is, maybe this is that opportunity. Maybe this is our chance to start, uh, start something together. So we started researching. We spent, we both, uh, left our respective careers um, and spent a, a year in my home office um, writing a business plan. And the business plan, the thesis was, was pretty simple. It was, it was based off this idea that everybody's Miller Lite tastes the same. Um, you know, it really comes down to the experience or the environment in which you are drinking that Miller Lite that's a differentiator. And so we wanted to, um, we wanted to do unique experiences while dining, you know, approach things from a restaurateur standpoint, but, um, but have a unique offering and a unique experience. So, um, our first concept was bowl and barrel, um, which we opened, uh, in 2012. And, um, six months later, we opened a concept called Mutt's Canine Cantina, which is a, uh, restaurant bar that overlooks a private membership based dog park. So we had bowling, which was a restaurant bar with, with, with bowling and, and very, very important to differentiate that it, bowling barrel is a restaurant and bar with bowling as opposed to a bowling alley that serves food. Um, and, and that's a, that's a much different approach um, than the typical bowling alley with, you know, sticky floors and uh, gooey oh, nacho cheese. Right. Or even, or even these kind of more modern, like fancy bowling alleys that have like cocktails and stuff, right? Like they're, that's right. That, that are still pretty bad on the food, the, the food and beverage component. They try to be fancy, but it's just not very good typically. Right. Um, and I hate to disparage anybody specifically, so I'm, I'm just going to just cast that as a blanket statement. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to name names. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we opened Bowl and Barrel. Six months later, we opened Mutt's Canine Cantina, and then three months after that, we opened the Rustic, which is a uh, a restaurant and bar that has a live music component. Um, our original one in Dallas uh, holds about 3,000 people for concerts. So again, we wanted to approach it from a restaurant tour standpoint, approach the concert venue um, versus having a concert venue that just serves food. And so that was a crazy nine month period, as you can imagine. Um, it was, it was uh, not the way we drew it up. It just, it, we didn't anticipate opening three large scale uh, unique uh, concepts within a nine month period, but that's just the way the timing of all the projects laid out. And we just basically just had to grip the handlebars and, and, and go down the hill and, and hope not to crash. And we fortunately we made it out, out uh, in one piece. Yeah. I mean, you, you've grown pretty substantially then, but I, and I, and I want to talk about your Houston operations, but, but talk to me about the rustic because it is such a special place. It's, it's such a grand scale. And of course you're partnered with Pat green. And, you know, if you're like me and you went to college in the nineties, I mean, you know, who Pat green is, you, you, sure. you know, you know, all the words to the songs you, you've seen him in concert a bunch. Uh, tell me about how you kind of built that relationship with Pat and, and how that came about. 
You know, Eric, the world is a funny place. It's uh, it, it, it's kind of uh, you. It's weird how when you're growing up, you you start you see these people that maybe you look up to or um, you admire or you're a fan of. Um, and it's funny how uh, you just kind of end up sometimes crossing paths with these people later in life as an adult and, um, and becoming friends. And that's what happened with Pat and I. We, we uh, had a mutual friend um, and we had a, had a weekend in Vegas together. And, um, and from what we can remember of that weekend, uh, we had a great time and hit it off and, um, and just were, were thick as thieves ever since. Yeah. So how did you kind of approach him or were like, Hey, I, I want to open a concert hall and I want you to be a part of it. Yeah. So it was actually my business partner's bachelor party um, out in the Texas Hill country. We were at a ranch, um, just a bunch of guys grilling steaks out of an open flame, listening to music out under the stars. And, um, and Pat was there, Josh was there, my partner, Josh. Um, and we just kind of said, this is, this is the type of, feel that we should bottle up and create a concept around. Um, we felt like everybody has this connection, whether you're a city boy or a country boy, everybody kind of has a connection of, of a campfire, fireplace. There's some bit of nostalgia there. Um, grilling outside, um, cold drinks, out under the stars, great music. Um, and that, that, was, that was how the concept was born. We started... Uh, the ideation process then and and i think we we got pretty close to where we wanted to, to be it certainly was a lot busier than we expected it to be um but which which is a, a great problem to have but um it, it turned out from a concept standpoint pretty close to where we where we uh started yeah i mean as i recall from around the time the the first one opened in houston it's the dallas location is what one of the highest grossing Bars by liquor sales in the state of Texas is. is do, I, right. do I remember that right? Yeah. No, you do. You do. In fact, uh, when our first year of opening, the uh, the only venues in Texas that 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 had more volume than us were the stadiums, like you know where the Texans play or the Rockets play or the the Cowboys play, and you know so stadiums were the only were the only venues that had higher sales than us um, in terms of liquor sales. Um, so it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. I'm not going to lie. It was, it, we, we, we didn't, we would have never set out to um, anticipate something that, that busy and that much of a whirlwind, but it was a hurricane. And, but uh, unfortunately we were able to um, hold on. So let's talk about kind of your, your Houston operations. I mean, as you said, you've got, you've got bowl and barrel here. Uh, you've also got the general public, which is a concept you haven't talked about. So that's right. So maybe just sort of describe kind of how that fits into the portfolio and, and how you develop that. Yeah. So th that was a, that was a fun concept to, to come up with. It's an American gastric pub. The bar is very whiskey focused. Um, and it came about because at our original bowl and barrel in Dallas, um, there was a really, really lousy bar next to a uh, kind of gastro pub bar restaurant next to bowl and barrel that was always busy and it was terrible. And <laughs> I, I got to know the, the owner. It, it's now it's now since closed. Um, but I got to know the owner and I, I asked him, I said, so wh where's your business coming from? And he said, honestly, Kyle, 80% of our business comes from you from bowl and barrel people. You're on a two, three hour wait at night. People come put their name on the list with you. 
and walk next door and have have drinks or have dinner or whatever it might be. And so when it came time to opening our next versions of Bowling Barrel, um, which were in San Antonio and Houston, we opened those simultaneously. Um, we said, instead of feeding our neighbor, let's just be our neighbor. And let's open a concept that uh, can be um, complementary to the, to the uh, experience at Bowling Barrel. Um, and so that's how that concept was born. We have two of those locations, one in, one in Houston at City Center, right next to our Bowling Barrel. And then we have one in, uh, in San Antonio as well. You've been in Houston for a while now, right? Since about 2015, if I remember correctly. 2015 is when we opened, but I actually went to high school in Houston. So I'm very familiar with Houston. I, uh, and then obviously uh, working with the Pappas family for so long, I, I spent a lot of time in Houston. So I know the city very well and I love that city. And um, it's, it's, been, it's been as good to us as we could have imagined. Houston's well, been great to us. Well, so so let me just ask you, I mean, you know, you've got, like I said, you've got the, the general public in Bowling Barrel and City Center, and then you've got a rustic in Uptown Park and a rustic uh, downtown, like right next to the convention center, right right in the heart of, right next to Toyota Center, right in the heart of everything. So so That's what right. have you kind of observed about these three different parts of Houston? Like what what are your, how are your customers sort of different from from one place to another? Well, so you're, you're, you're really... You know, Houston's such a big city um, and it's so sprawling that you're, you're really dealing with multiple different trade areas um, and the consumer profile is different at each. Um, the one downtown is very event driven um, and it might be events from the convention center, conventions uh, coming in and renting the space out. It might be events from a concert or a, a concert at Toyota Center or, or at Minute Maid or a game at Toyota Center or Minute Maid. Um, but it's very adventurous. Um, and then the nice thing about that space in particular is it's really designed for, for a, a live music experience. Um, our our uh, location, our rustic in Uptown Park over by the Galleria, um, we approached it differently. We, we wanted it to be more of a neighborhood feel. Um, so the music component, while it's still prominent, you see you see a big stage there. It's certainly pared down from the one downtown. We're not going to do the big, big blowout concerts at Uptown. It's going to be more, you know, where you have your business lunch and you have your happy hour after work and you, and you go on date night or you take family for brunch on Saturdays or Sundays. Um, and so it's much more of a neighborhood approach. Um, and it's certainly worked out that way. Um, we, you know, you never know what you're going to get when you, when you build something, but um, it's good to see the dip. It, they both feel like the rustic. Don't get me wrong, but slightly different feel within and slightly different menu. Um, you know, you have, uh, we have much, uh, much more robust steak program at uh, the Uptown Park location by the Galleria and the downtown location is much more casual dining. And then tell me a little bit about kind of city center. I, I think of that as maybe a little more family friendly, but I mean, you're, you're, it's such an interesting development because it's so dining focused. I mean, you've got the movie theater, but you've got, you know, sort of high profile national chain restaurants. You've got uh, some locally owned one-offs. It's, it's a kind of a real eclectic mix. It is. And you, you know, most mixed use developments like that, that have the retail and the restaurant and the office and the apartment. Um, a lot of them, nowadays aren't, aren't very successful. They just don't do that. They're not programmed very well. 
Um, but City Center, I feel like I feel like it was programmed very well. The center has been um, a massive success for the developers, and then also for everybody that's doing business there. Um, and you, you, you are correct. You do pull from the Memorial area. You pull from the Derry Ashford, the Ashford area. You, you, uh, and then you know you you have the Energy Corridor right there, where we get a lot of corporate events from the Energy Corridor. So it, it's a uniquely positioned. Uh, space and when you look at it from the map um, they called it city center because they kind of said you know if you look at downtown houston all the way out to katie um down i-10 it's really in the dead center of all of that and so you know you really have a, a wide trade area that you can pull from and the, the center's been a success and we're happy to be there and um and certainly uh, we, we love the, we love when the, uh, energy markets are doing really well because <laughs> we do really well, um, there. And then fortunately we've been in a good, good run in Texas. Yeah. So, you know, that certainly, uh, you know, bull and barrel and, and the general public, I mean, they, they seem like they could be, I mean, obviously you've replicated them in, in three cities, but, but it certainly seems like even within the Houston market, you could probably open a couple more. Yeah, we're, we are certainly looking. Um, we are we love the concept, and we like I said, we love the city, uh, and it's such a big city that you can you can look at all the different trade areas where you go north and south uh, from downtown all the way up to you know the woodlands or down to even Galveston all the way down down way south um, or going east to west. There's just such a it's such a sprawling city with a lot of opportunities. Um, we certainly have identified a few that we've kind of circled. Um, as, <laughs> as hot spots for us. Um, and the nice thing about bowling barrel is because it's a, it's a unique, uh, uniquely small bowling alley. Um, we want to keep it intimate. There's, there's, um, on average 15 lanes as opposed to your big kind of sprawling mega center, 40, 50 lane bowling alleys. Um, we want to keep it tight so we can go into, uh, some, some areas that maybe a big, a big massive bowling complex couldn't go. So it gives us a little bit more flexibility on the real estate standpoint. Right. I'm, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure your friends at Midway who, who own uh city center have pitched you on East river, right? I can only imagine. Oh that, uh... yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> I can neither confirm nor, nor deny that at this time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, you know, as you mentioned, you, you have uh Mutt's Cantina and then you have uh you have a Tex-Mex restaurant, Joe Leo. So, I mean, do you do you see Houston as a fit for either of those somewhere at some point in time? Um, so Mutz certainly. Um, I uh, I mean, Mutz is a concept we're scaling quickly. We just opened uh, our newest one in Austin uh, uh, three weeks ago now, um, and so we're up to four uh, locations there, um, or with that concept. Uh, Joe Leo, which was a, a really, just frankly, a, a passion project for me. Um, uh, Joe Leo Romero was my grandfather, and um, he was the one that taught me to cook. Um, he, uh, he he was just a he was a, he was a wonderful man and lived a great life. And so I wanted to do something that kind of paid homage to him. And so we opened that because obviously Texas doesn't have enough Tex-Mex restaurants. Um, so we felt like, so, uh, why not throw one more in the mix? Um, whether we bring that to Houston or not, I don't know. I think we're going to, we're going to really push the Dallas Fort Worth market where it's currently located. Um, and then we're really interested in Tex-Mex outside of Texas, to be honest. 
Um, you know, I, I, I had experience, obviously, like I mentioned with, with Papacito's brand and, and there is a, there is a real hunger for Tex-Mex outside of Texas. Um, so whether we grow that, continue to grow that brand in Texas or not, I'm not sure, but, but certainly outside of the state. Yeah. I mean, if you just think about what, you know, Ford Fry has done with Super Rica kind of doing that in Atlanta, exactly. and Nashville. I mean, I, I think you're right. I, and what's so strange, of course, is that, you know, any Texan who's been, who's tried Tex-Mex in other states will tell you is that it's never quite right. Like there's just something about, sure. there's just something about trying to, trying to do that in other cities where it doesn't, it's, it just doesn't taste right. So I, it's I, off. yeah, it, it's, and it, it's, it's, it's like an alternate universe version of Tex-Mex for some reason. And yeah, I don't know why it always ends up that way. It seems like. Yeah. So, so it just, it, I mean, and of course it's such a staple cuisine for, for Texans, it does it. You know, if if Texas barbecue can kind of conquer the world uh, and be exported to places like California, then I I can't imagine why Tex-Mex could do the same thing. I I couldn't agree more. And you know, and and then not to mention just the fact that we're such a massive population in Texas that we do spread out too. You know, there there are people that leave Texas and move to other cities. I'm sure they most of them do it begrudgingly because they'd rather be in Texas, but. Um, I can tell you, I have friends that whether they live in Chicago or LA or, or, uh, New York that are all originally from Texas, they're like, man, we would kill for some good queso. <laughs> um, just, you know, just, just give me some good fajita, something. And so there's a need for it. There certainly is, but you know, it's also kind of, uh, I mean, it is tough in the Tex-Mex space is you mentioned barbecue is that way. Um, it's a tough space to compete in. Unfortunately, we've done a good job here in Dallas with it, but it, it's tough because it's very personal. The, the things that, you know, you, everybody kind of has their favorite go-to spot where the, oh, this place has the best chips and salsa, or this place has the best uh, queso or whatever it might be. Um, same with barbecue. I learned that lesson when I was running the, the Papado brand with the Pappas family. I asked them, I was like, why, why don't we do Papado in New Orleans? And they're like, I'm, we're not competing against grandma's gumbo. Um, no <laughs> right. chance, you know? Right. Um, and so uh, w- we like to look for opportunities and low hanging fruit. And I, I see, I see a lot of green space um, for the Tex-Mex genre outside of Texas. But you don't have any concepts outside of Texas currently, right? So this is a, this is a new Avenue for you. Well, so we are actually um, under construction on the Rustic brand. We're, we're uh, outside of the state of Texas, finally. We're going to Arizona, Denver, San Diego, Orlando, and Tampa. And then after that, we'll be looking at Georgia and the Carolinas. So that's kind of our growth plan, a little bit, uh, a little bit southeast, a little bit southwest, mostly below Mason-Dixon line because we do like uh, more temperate climates. Uh, partially that's because I don't like to travel and be up after work in the cold. <laughs> um, I, I lived in Chicago for eight years, so I, I feel like I paid my dues. So then essentially, I guess anywhere that you're, you're committed to putting a rustic could potentially also be uh, a location to Joe Leo. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. We're, our, we're, our, our model is really because the rustic is so large and it takes so much manpower and so much an invest, so much of a big investment. Um, we'll, we'll lead with that concept and then do our other concepts around it. And then kind of on a, on a more local note, I mean, you know, Uptown Park has seen so many changes over the last couple of years, you know, we've seen, uh, Urbe opening and, 
mm-hmm. tasting rooms about to give way to uh, Lombardy, the Italian restaurant. I mean, yep. what what's that been like from from your perspective? I mean, how have those changes been received? It's been great for us. We I mean, we love the center. We love the visibility from the freeway. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a blast having all the construction on on the freeway for for a while, but um, but uh, it, it's been a great center for us. And and um, you know we opened it in uh, July of 2020, right in the height of COVID, um, which was certainly not our desired time. But you know COVID hit, and and we all just kind of had to deal with it and um, do the best we can. So we opened in the heart of COVID, and we opened very busy as much as we could be or we were allowed to be at that time. Um, but uh, it, it's just it, that that concept or that location, excuse me, has, has grown each month and it's doing really well for us. And we like the center and we like um, we like adding more quality tenants to the mix anywhere we go because um, we do subscribe to the rising tides raise all, raises all shit theory. And so we're excited to have some some uh, better operators or some newer operators, I should say, not, not so much better, but newer operators coming in um, to really uh, complement what we're doing. Well, and I, and I suppose if you had to open in 2020, you know, you could do worse than, uh, you know, there's a lot of social distancing when you have 20,000 square feet, right? Like it, it could have been worse. That certainly has played to our favor over the over the last few years. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, and and the other thing that was interesting during that period, and I hate to even dwell on that period, um, but we did learn a lot. Is um, when we were out, when I would go out as a consumer dining during that period, where it was you know 50 percent capacity, and uh, people had these weird shower curtains in between tables, and the dining experience was just not good. Um, it was, there was no energy in the space. It was just awkward. It was just, it was, it, it was not worth going out at that time, in my opinion, as a consumer. Um, but the rustic was an interesting space because it is so big. Um, and you did have live music that even at 50% capacity, um, with live music and having a couple hundred people in there because of the space, lends itself to be be that large uh, or to allow that kind of uh, capacity there was energy and it was still fun and it was it felt like there was a reason to get out of the house um and so that was something that was uh uh benefited us as a brand uh, during that period and i think it stayed with us yeah no i i think that makes a ton of sense and i i'm i mean i'm with you right like that's you know three years ago and and the environment is so different now but you know, I'm, I guess from my perspective, I'm just glad we got through it and, and people are growing again and, and feeling optimistic about the future. I think that's the, that's the most important thing. No doubt. And it helps to be in Texas. I will say that we, we live in a great state. Um, and we're obviously optimistic, um, as a, as a general rule. Uh, um, I remember when I lived in, uh, Chicago during the 2008 financial crisis, um, even though I lived in Chicago, headquarter Pappas headquarters were in Houston. So I was back in Texas um, pretty much every other week. And I just noticed a difference coming um, in my own demeanor where I, I would, I would come to Texas and everybody was smiling and the sun was shining and the birds were chirping and everybody was hopeful and optimistic about the future. And then you'd go to back to Chicago and it was just dark and doom and gloom. Um, and that's really uh it was during that period that I decided I wanted to move back to Texas. 
um, because I just love the optimism of the state and the positivity and we're growing. Um, and, and I just love being a part of it. But I'll tell you, Texas is becoming, you know, as you know, because you're in the, you both follow restaurants very, very closely. Um, Dallas and Houston both have a new restaurant opening every five minutes. So it's becoming much more competitive, much harder to find good workforce. Um, the real estate component becomes more challenging. Uh, but it also makes it more fun to, as a consumer, to have great options to go out to. Yeah, I mean, do you do you? How often do you get down to Houston these days? I'm I'm uh, I'm probably every three weeks down there. Down get down to. I mean, it's a forty five minute flight. It's easy. Right, right. Have you have you been anything recently that you really that really impressed you that that you were really excited about? Um, you know where I keep going back to. I I, I think Nancy Nancy Sassel does a, a, such a great job over there. I, I know it's not new, but because it's close to the downtown rustic location, I love popping over there. I, I certainly, uh, you know, obviously I'm a homer, so I, I I usually hit up Pappas Brothers Steakhouse. Again, I know it's not new, but um, as I get older. I am much less interested in trying new and much more interested in trying reliable. I mean, certainly there's no more reliable steakhouse than Pappas Brothers, right? The dry agent program, the incredible wine list, sure. the, the service. I mean, yeah, they they do it right. They've done it, they've done it right for a long time. Did you yeah. have you been to Littles, their new spot, the seafood spot? Not yet. No, I haven't been yet. But I I do plan on going. Have you? Uh several times. Yeah, I, I'm really impressed by it. I think they Okay, good. I think it's a special place. Yeah. Now, you know, Eric, it's, uh, we all are busy, number one. And number two, we work hard for our money and um, going out to restaurant. I want to go out. If I'm going to make that decision to go out, I want to make sure I know I'm going to get a good deal. And I generally have a theory that um, I don't want to go to the, I, there was a period in my, in my life where every new restaurant that opened up in a city that we were in, I was there within the first, you know, 30 days just to try it out, see what, check out the competition, what's going on. I've taken a completely different approach now. I don't want to go to a place unless it's uh, been around for, for at least a year. Um, one, to let, let the kinks get worked out. Um, and then two, just to give it a year to see what people really think about it. You know, that's, that's so funny because obviously my living – I'm not at the new place in the in the first 30 days. I'm I'm there in the first five days sometimes, you know. Right. As, exactly. as early as as early as I can. And and I I I tend to, you know, I'll I'll go a couple of times in that first month and then, you know, maybe not again for a year. So I'm forming sort of quick impressions and, and then moving on. It's just it's the nature of the sure. It's the nature of the business. But I but I like that idea of kind of letting things settle down a little bit. Yeah. When I when I when I travel, when I if I'm traveling to a new city. I make sure to go to the institutions first. I don't want to go to the new hotspot. I want to go to the place that's been around for 30 years and is still cranking. Um, because if they've been able to do it for that long, then they're doing something right. And I want to be a part of that. So just that, that's just kind of been my theory. And internally, we talk a lot about that is um, instead of being the cool new thing and, and the cutesy new thing and try this new menu item. And there's this thing that's good, everybody, this trend that's going on in the dining space where everybody's putting something on a, on a something and, you know, oh, we got to do it too. Uh, we've kind of taken the uh, other approach that let's just, let's just focus on doing what we do very well and, and 
um, hone in on that so that we can be reliable to our consumer. And when they come in, they order a, a steak or a burger or whatever it might be, and it's and they can count on it being that way every time. Absolutely, and I and I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, you don't you don't build a, a venue that's as big as the Rustic and and think like, oh, you know, we may have to we may have to close this down in five years or reconcept it. I mean, you're you're in there for the long term. We are. We are. We better be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, how old is that? The Papacitos in Sugarland, right? Like it's probably been there. Yeah. You know, the Papado, they've probably been there for close to 30 years at this point. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, some of the original Papados and Papacitos, or the original Papacitos um, might be at 40 years now. Right. Um, right. So, you know, that's a testament to, to just consistent operation. Absolutely. All right. Well, Kyle, I do have to say that does bring me to the end of my questions. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you would like to discuss? Um, I want to ask you something when I get back to Houston next. Uh, oh, actually, no, I do want to mention a little shameless plug, but we are uh, opening the rustic at Houston hobby airport um, early part of next year, which we're very excited about. Oh, that'll be fun. You, you can still create the, the live music, I guess. Uh, we will. Well, it'll be a more pared down version, you know, one or two piece um, sure. acts, but, but um, create, a, create some energies to fun and, Having experience in the airports, um, it, it's a it's a unique business model. Um, it is always nighttime at an airport. The, the people are drinking at six a.m. and it's just a it's a unique model, but it's a lot of fun to, to be there. and And we're excited to that Houston will be our first uh, airport um, to open in for that brand, and we're excited to be a part of it. But um, getting back to what I was going to ask you, my question: When I come down in two weeks, I'll be down. At, uh, yeah, two weeks. Where should I go? Well, I, I, I was just thinking about that because you mentioned that you, you kind of like to be in that East End, kind of kind of close to the rustic. I, I will say uh, Agricole Hospitality, they had Miss Carousel uh, oh, yeah. right there, right right down the street from you guys. And they, they just flipped that concept to Lightning's Good Time. So, And it's got a live music component, obviously, on a much smaller scale. So I, I'd pop in there for a drink and kind of see what those guys are up to because it's always interesting. Uh, and then, you know, Street to Kitchen just moved from its original location to a larger, bigger location. And if you uh, if you like Thai food, that'll make you uh, sweat yes. and maybe even cry a little bit. Now uh, the, new, the new Street to Kitchen's a really grand space. And, I, and I'm so excited for their for their owners and their whole team. I think I think that's got to be number one for you. I love that. I love that. And you're speaking my language, spicy Thai food. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five right. easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Kyle Noonan, what is your what is your favorite cocktail at the Rustic? Our margarita, hands down. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, Boys to Men at uh, Astro World <laughs> or the Astrodome. Astrodome. What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive through. Um, Popeyes, red beans, and rice. It's a great answer. All right. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Uh, Hakeem. And then finally, when you're ordering a pizza, what are your go-to toppings? Pepperoni. I'm easy. Kyle, give us the give us the website and the social media for as many of your restaurants as you want to plug. Sure. Well, just uh, the website is freerangeconcepts.com, and that that'll link you to all the all our different brands and then you can follow me on on social media kyle noonan all right kyle thanks so much hey thank you always a pleasure good to see you again 
Good to see you. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.